What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Society Rewired, the podcast where we discuss mental health open, honestly, and candidly to try and make a difference in the world here with me. The difference maker, the champion, the one and only, the legend of Sioux Falls, Jerry Cook. That's the whole episode right there. Boom. We don't even need to say anything else. I just, off the top of the head, was ready to go. <laughs> I was hyped. You know, I've failed. Every single time, I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to come up with a cool intro for Brad, and I never do it. Well, I think at this point, we're, we're hit and miss with yours at this point. I should have done a better job of preparing. <laughs> I didn't prepare at all for this one, and you got it. So, you know the, what? This one's going to be a little, it might be a little, a little tough to get through. It might be. It's going to be a, an interesting episode. Kind of got to dive down. I mean, we've both been impacted by suicide loss and uh you know kind of discuss what that journey looks like what what's one of the biggest questions we get uh when working with survivors of suicide loss is you know when does it get better and and what does kind of grief look like for you because we're both at different points kind of in our journey right right yeah i mean we've both we've, we've got a board in front of us and kind of wrote out some things i mean between um you know siblings a parent um multiple friends yep I mean, it's uh, it's pretty intense when you start talking two dudes in a room, and all of a sudden you get a list of whatever we've got here: two, right. four, six, seven, probably eight people, and and that's not that's not including our work with survivors right. joining for hope or any Those other. Those are just personal that's connections. Just, yeah, personal connections that probably got us to where we're at. I suppose. You know? I mean, that's that's one thing I think that for me being able to take that those experiences and that pain and turn it around and try to do literally anything to try to help someone else out. I mean, that's right. been a huge, uh, healer in, in, in my journey. And I think you're geared the same way. It's like, Hey, I, yeah. you know, well, I mean, seven and a half years ago, to be completely honest with you until my brother passed away, I feel like I had no experience with suicide loss. It sounds crazy, but seven and a half years ago, I had no experience with it. And now I think, you know, I'm, you know, as you mentioned, you know, we had my brother, um, you know, one of the, the maid of honor in our wedding had passed away and then several friends and 50 to a, you know, 50 plus people through survivors that we knew people that have been impacted over the last seven and a half years that we've worked with. So it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's, it's a journey and it's unfortunate, I guess it's, I never thought I'd get to this point. I mean, I never would have anticipated I'd be doing this podcast on this topic. I always, right. you know, sports or uh, you know, anything other than this essentially <laughs> would have yeah. been cars, family, I don't know, financial investing, insurance would have been the topic of, which would be a terrible podcast just for the <laughs> record. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, here we are talking about mental health and our journey. And I mean, you're, you're the, you're the seasoned veteran in the room at this point. Yeah. And unfortunately, yeah. I mean, my journey started literally today is yep. the 44. 44th anniversary of my dad's passing. So right. he, he passed, um, it was basically two weeks before my fifth birthday. So, you know, on the flip side of the whole suicide coin, like you were talking about, like I, I, I almost don't know a life without right a life with suicide in it. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So I, uh, unfortunately was, was, uh, indoctrinated into the 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 suicide realm of losing a family member my my father um being really young and and you're right i mean it's a it's a journey and i think that's one of the hard things to talk to people about is you know when when and and you've done way more than i have but 
working directly with families or individuals after they've suffered a loss, like literally same day, mm-hmm. within a couple days, weeks, right. a week, a month, whatever it is. Um, we've, we've both dealt with people very, very quickly after Been and some intimate conversations. Yeah. Very intimate conversations. And I think the, and you can, you can talk about the, the earthquake analogy, but I mean, it's, it's, it's exactly that. I mean, your world is freaking rocked It is to the core. I, I can't explain anything. Um, I've done some stupid shit in my life <laughs> and you we know, I, th- I, th- I think about like, you know, motorcycling or something like that and you get right. an accident and you're like, you're, you're, you're hurt. The wind's knocked out of you. You can't see straight. Yep. Um, and if you multiply that by 10 or a hundred or a thousand, that's to me what dealing with a loss felt like, right. like, especially, you know, when, when I was younger, going through my dad, I didn't really understand permanence. No. I didn't understand the whole thing. So that was a little different to deal with. But like my sister, man, the world just shut Changed. down. You yeah. know, <laughs> that was a, that was a big kick. That was a big kick. When do you think you, you're almost five? Yeah. I mean, what, at what point do you think you realize that, I, I, it's a terrible question, I guess, but I guess when did you kind of realize that it wasn't the same anymore. It was never going to be the same. Five is a young age. I mean, I yeah, I have a five year or I have a I have a four and a three year old, um, <laughs> but um, and a nine year old for that matter. But I, they wouldn't understand the concept of yeah. a parent not coming home. I th- I think the you know when when I've uh, we've talked about it yep. and like when I've spoke publicly about it, um, you know the comparison kind of. If you if talk about an earthquake or getting hit by a truck or whatever the yep. thing is, like, you know, like my my sister, um, which was just just about three years ago, um, that's that's like getting hit with a truck right away. Because as an adult or a more um, mature, meaning yep. not five years old or seven years old or whatever, you understand, even though it's confusing as hell for everything, but you understand permanence, you understand yep. loss, you understand the fact that they're not coming back. So that thing hits you full force day one, mm-hmm. which, and, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but the luxury of that is you're dealing with the full force of everything from day one. And even though it manifests itself in different ways and it kind of tweaks and bends and valleys and you take different courses or different turns here or there, you're at least dealing with everything at once. So as a kid, Um, when, you know, like I was call it five years old, it was a couple weeks before, but I didn't, I I remember like being at my dad's funeral and I I remember the day he died and, you know, he left the house in a stretcher. We were there. My mom was there. My sister was there and I was there and, and I just basically thought he was going to work for the day. Sure. And even when he didn't come home for the day or didn't come home for a week or didn't come, you know, I just... I always talk about permanence. I didn't understand permanence. Right. Kids just don't, you know, at that age. So being that young, um, rather than that that full force of that truck hitting you with everything at once, you sort of deal with the pieces of the pie as you're able to understand right. them, which is a little bit of a luxury, but it's also bad because it sort of just extends out the, the healing process. But the bottom line is that I, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't realize, 
you know, have no, had no concept of that forever, that permanence. And so, um, you know, the, I, I can honestly say that in, you know, it'll be three years pretty soon here, uh, anniversary of my sister's death. I'm in a much better place after, you know, a day, a week, a month, a year, two years, yep. three years coming up than I would have been if it was my first loss, loss. that I'd suffered. Sure. Um, so, um, yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a confusing thing, but back, back to kind of the question of, you know, and talking to people like there, there is hope. I mean, it, it will get better Yep. on the flip side. It's, it's a journey, man. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a tough one. Yeah, no, I agree. I think we actually didn't come in prepared to even talk about this episode. This kind of came out when you told <laughs> when you started yeah. talking about your dad's anniversary, we weren't we weren't even prepared to kind of have this conversation. And I think it's an important one though, because you're I mean, again, forty four years is a long journey. Um I mean, I mean I'm only twenty nine, but it's been forty four yeah. years since my dad passed. He looks seventy, folks. <laughs> uh I'm just kidding. He has no hair. Uh <laughs> um <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean I think, you know, as we work with families, I think yeah, the biggest question that I kind of hear is, is, you know, when does it get better? Uh, cause it's, and you mentioned the earthquake analogy, so I'm just going to throw it out there. Cause you know, a lot of, I, I heard probably the best description of, of what grief is, has been grief is like an earthquake. Initial impact is devastating. And then there are just aftershocks throughout your journey through the grief, the farther out you are in your journey, uh, the less frequent the aftershocks get. So it's kind of just, if you think about like a ripple, a drop of water in, in, you know, a crystal clear, clear lake that, initial drop of water creates a big ripple and then the farther out those ripples go the the less frequent and the broader they get and and then the less impact they have on the on the water i think that's that's probably the best way honestly to describe grief in my opinion it's initially my my year one was well my initial call was tough um i remember that day pretty clearly um you know when my mom called me i was went to work at 6 a.m. And, and at 6.15, I got a call from my mom and she said my brother had passed away uh, by suicide. And uh, I remember sitting at work and just kind of just processing and not even knowing, I didn't know what to do, to be honest with you. I kind of just sat there and and uh, no one was even there. It was just me and the janitor at that point at work. And I, I just kind of got up and well, at first I sent my boss an email saying I needed to go, that something had happened with my family. And and then I, I wasn't back to work for almost four weeks after that. And I think it's, it's tough. It's, you know, the, the, the day, the first day, the first call, uh, seeing the military show up with our family, uh, our house with our family and sitting down with us and saying that he had passed away is very vivid. That, that first day was vivid. And then I think the next like two weeks were just a fog. It was a cloud, um, really hard to deal with harder. I mean, the funeral was tough because so many people are coming up in the wake, um, you know, coming to say, you know, I mean, obviously they're, they're being nice or often their condolences, but it's, you know, at that point, it's almost like just a TV screen. Things are just happening yeah. in front of you, but you're yeah. not processing it. You're not comprehending it. It's just, it, you're in the moment, but you're not present. Your, your mind is kind of gone and you're just, you're just kind of processing them. I mean, for me, all the memories and, and then, you know, addressing, I call them the W's uh, though, you know, why, why did this happen? What made, you know, my brother take his life? What, what could I have done differently? How could I have changed things? You know, is there something I could have done that would have prevented this from happening? And just the constant questions, the whys, the mm -hmm. what ifs, the, the, you know, what, what we could have done differently was, was a big challenge for me. And that year one was tough. 
year one was really hard for me. Um, and I, I mean, I've mentioned multiple times in speaking, I took it out on my family. I mean, I had a very patient wife. I mean, I mean that year was tough for us in general. I mean, we, <laughs> we, we got married in February. I adopted my son a week before uh, my brother's passing. So then a week later, my brother passed away, went on a honeymoon, changed a job, bought a house. So it was a, it was a big year for us. And yeah. And if it wasn't for my wife's patience, I probably wouldn't be married at this point because I definitely took a lot of grief, my grief out on them because my initial reaction for that first year was was really kind of guilt and anger. Guilt and anger, yeah. yeah. Which I think, and not to speak for you, but I think that's one of the things that, you know, we always talk about suicide loss as a different kind of loss. And there is a lot of guilt and a lot of shame and a lot of blame. And I think one of the things that's not really discussed a lot is what you just hit on, which is the anger component, you know, and, and when I speak publicly about it, it's always, you know, silly analogies, but if you get hit by a car or a car accident Mm -hmm. or, you know, you die by cancer or whatever, there's not really that guilt or the shame or the anger. You can be angry that the person is gone, right? but you're not angry at the person. Yeah. So... One of the one of the things that I struggled with for a long time, and it's a, it's a natural emotion when it comes to a suicide loss, is sort of that blame game of the person that they quote unquote took their life. Yep. They made a decision. Now that's true. However, we we both know, and for you all out there, I mean, it's not always a conscious decision they can make. Nope. Because depending on mental illness, not mental illness, whatever. Um, that impulse control at that time might not be fully there like right. you or I might have. So, um, but th- the point is, is that there is an anger component that comes out. And for me, being angry at my dad or being angry at my sister has a whole nother layer of effect because now I'm pissed because I'm pissed. Yep. Or I feel ashamed because I'm mad at them. And, and that's, that's a very hard emotion to work through because the, the anger is you're validated in it, you know, uh, yep. but to actually feel anger for someone that you love who couldn't control themselves in that time, like that's, that's a hard, there's a lot of shit yeah. bottled up in there. No, I and, agree. and I think that, uh, you know, to me, that's one of the things that makes it really hard to recover and process through because you want to feel that and you should feel that, but it's, it's hard to feel that as well. No, I agree. I think to be totally honest, I mean, my anger was more at myself. I was, I felt like as the older brother was my job to protect him. Um, so I was always angry at the last conversation we had. I was angry at the, I mean, the last time we were together, um, cause he was in the military. So I, I mean, there was about prior to his passing, I think I saw him twice in person because of the deployments. Um, and, and I mean, looking back now, it's like, I never took advantage of those moments. I should have spent more time and I kind of got angry at myself because in those moments I should have had maybe more intimate conversations with him about how he was doing and the struggles with PTSD and his alcohol abuse and drugs and, and his overall mental health. I mean, his depression and struggle, you know, from a childhood, um, perspective, but, I think that's that's I, my anger was very much directed inward, um, and I got angry at him at one point. I did, I won't I won't lie, <laughs> I did get angry at at Sergey, mm-hmm. and I was upset because, you know, he had a kid and and he had I mean he was going through some family challenges. I mean, there was some some issues with you know his his marriage at that time, and 
and going through a divorce and, and everything. And, and, you know, I, I was angry that he more or less left his, his child behind. I mean, that's, yeah. where, that's where my anger kind of came from and, and that perspective. And it's, you know, I, I mean, that was year one. I mean, my year one grief looked a lot different than year five and what year, you know, almost eight at this point looks like. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, as time has gone by, I mean, those, I mean, those aftershocks and ripples have gotten a little less frequent, so it's gotten a little bit easier. I won't say it's it's never gone. It's never going to go away. They're always going to be in the back of your mind, and, and there's always going to be triggers to an extent that are yep. going to yep. make you think you're going to hear the right song, you're going to have the right smell, the right moment, the right, you know, the holiday, the the Christmas, the because it, it, it's there's a lot of things that kind of take place that can bring back a memory, and and I think year one was by far the hardest um year two got a little better and honestly for my own grief i mean you know when you think about how did i get through it uh because i wasn't doing well at first i didn't like support groups i didn't like counseling at all yeah, um, i remember i remember talking about that because yeah. that's and i think that's one of the things before, and i don't mean to interrupt no, you but i think that's a really important thing to talk to people about because there's you know we get asked all the time you know, what are the steps? Right. Well, there isn't necessarily, there's obviously steps you don't want to take. You don't want to go into total anger loss. You don't want to, you know, rely on substance uh, substance and stuff like this, et cetera, et cetera. So there's definitely things you shouldn't do. Right. But as far as the actual path and what you should do, there isn't necessarily a, a direct path. Um, and so again, not to, not to veer off of what you're saying, but like we've talked, I, I have a little different path and what kind of worked for me and you have a different, different path. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important for you to share that with people. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I mean, I mean, my path was strictly, I, (laughs) I had to start helping others because I wasn't helping myself and, and I didn't know how to talk about, I think suicide loss in particular is hard because you start to have a conversation. And if you have a conversation, I mean, I imagine, it's, you know, we've had the other, I mean, season one, we talked about, you know, having a child that had cancer and trying to talk to someone about having a child with cancer can be difficult or, or even just, I think we had an episode with Talon where, you know, being a 911 officer, you need to have those similar relations and those similar conversations to really kind of debrief from those situations. And I think suicide loss in particular is a little more challenging because, it is hard to have a conversation with someone who hasn't experienced it or hasn't gone through it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's, we talk about the step backwards. Sometimes you, you can say that, you know, you lost someone by suicide or they died by suicide or passed away by suicide or however you want to say it. And someone will step backwards in, in a sense and not become, and become instantly uncomfortable with having that conversation if they haven't experienced it. But if you find a group of people or an individual who shares a similar loss with you, it makes it a lot easier. So my grief after year two or during year two became helping people and having conversations with people about their loss and sharing my own experience. And that's what became the most healing process for me at one point was, is just having those conversations, making those connections. We met through the helpline and going through various different, it was more fundraising based, but then we got into conversations about how we were impacted. And that's really what kind of drove the initial relationship in my opinion. And, but that was what was huge for, for how I got through. That's probably the biggest method I utilize. I never really utilize a support group. And then, you know, time obviously is, is, you know, yeah, the big healer. Yep. So, and, and I think that's kind of the thing too, is, you know, obviously we're kind of darting around in different areas or I'm darting us around in different areas, but <laughs> I think that whole, the, the guilt and the sort of shame and the blame component of a suicide death 
makes it significantly different than other, you know, mm-hmm. forms of death. And I know one of the things that I always, I guess, struggled with, and you kind of mentioned it, was the step back. And so, um, you know, if, and obviously now with my sister, I mean, I don't really care anymore. I, I talk to people yeah. about it and that's what it is. And I don't really care what anybody thinks. We make people uncomfortable now talking about it yeah. because it's so comfortable for us to talk about right, it. Right, right. But, you know, I remember growing up, um, anytime I talk about my dad, it's, it's an interesting thing where, where if people would say, you know, you're meeting somebody and they go, oh, hey, you know, I'm Jerry, you're person X, and you start talking about family or whatever, and I say, my, my mom, Norma, and, you know, we live here and we were in Minnesota at the time, and, uh, well, what about your dad? Oh, my dad passed away when I was young. And the, the immediate first reaction is sort of like a um, sort of a supportive reaction because there's a loss. And then when the conversation turns to what happened or how did he pass, and it's not cancer, it's not a car accident, it's not whatever, it's died by suicide, that sort of warmth and caring sort of shuts down and there's a step back. And I think it's because a lot of, one, it's very uncomfortable to talk about. Right. And even though it's true, it's it's difficult in the fact of like most people view it as, you know, that's a self-inflicted thing. Right. Where they have 100% control of their decisions. How could they? Why would they? All these other things. So there's this, this whole pile of shit that just comes along with it that mm-hmm. just isn't there with others. And I think, you know, like you said, the guilt and the shame and the blame or we're talking about, um, I mean, it, it took me until I was in my probably mid-30s when I actually, I, I did go do some counseling. And it was, it was very helpful for me. But, I mean, you're talking, you know, it would have been 25, 25 years, years. Yeah. yeah, after my dad <laughs> passed. And so one of the things that we talked about was even at that point in time, I was still battling my brain at, as a four and a half, five-year-old kid, what did I do to cause it? Right. What could I have done to prevent it, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And that's a bunch of stuff that you carry around. So if you think about that, that, you know, even like you were talking about yourself and I've like tons of stuff with my sister too, um, you know, if only I would have talked about this if only right. I would have seen that if only I could have done this and and honestly the the thing that I come up to with for people and if there's people out there that are li- listening that have lost someone to suicide the, it's hard to do but you almost have to disassociate yourself from it you have to think of it in terms of a medical mm-hmm. thing so if my dad or my sister would have had cancer there's literally nothing I could do about that other than just love them and care for them and support them. Right. Maximize your time. Yep. And maximize your time. But I'm not, I'm not trained. I'm not a medical doctor. I I can't, there's nothing I can do about it. Kind of the same thing in a suicide loss. We have to give ourselves the permission to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. We can't accept guilt for that um, because the vast majority of people that pass and their family members around them, all they want to do is care for them and help them. Right. And, but you, you deal with that whole second guessing everything that you did. You take on that guilt. You talked about anger for yourself of what you could have done. I mean, 
that is just a whole bunch of baggage that that most people aren't dealing with and that doesn't even touch on the fact that your brother passed away right and all of the ramifications of that mm-hmm. you know and so there's just a lot to it that you have to work through and I, and I totally agree with you regardless of the method like time and it doesn't mean that it's going to take 40 years to heal from it or recover from it but but the whole thing is like you know you're not going to go okay oh well it's been three weeks or it's been six months or it's been a a year and two months like there's no definitive thing and that sounds pretty negative but the reality is like you give yourself permission just to walk through the path because it's gonna take a little while yeah no i agree i mean I mean, and time is a, an interesting conversation around grief and, and suicide loss, in my opinion, because time really is based off your own allowance to essentially, in some way, forgive yourself um, a little bit. Yeah. You kind of brought it up because it's, you know, my journey probably, I mean, my journey initially started out really slow um, and was probably fairly negative. And then I just happened to connect with the right people, have, you know, some outstanding conversations, help a few people along the way and find a level of acceptance. And, and I honestly got to a point where I was kind of tired of talking about it, to be honest. It sounds silly, but I'd almost talked myself out of it yeah. a little bit. And, and I mean, that was interesting as well. But I mean, kind of a sign that maybe my grief is journey had reached a point to where I was accepting of it. But I mean, I've met people too where unfortunately you're 10 15 years down the road and you might be in the same place you're you were day one or two and i mean we've met some people too that you know have gone years without meeting another survivor of suicide loss too and that's right i mean or even talked about it so it 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 gets challenging i mean families are impacted um and you know those conversations that take place inside those families can also impact the time it takes to get through that journey right um and the journey i it sounds terrible, but the journey never ends. It's always, <laughs> I think the strides maybe get longer, the path, you know, gets wider, um, but you're always on the journey. It never, it never goes away. It's always going to be there in some way, shape or form, um, you know, and that legacy and that those emotions are going to be present, but it just, it changes. And you can probably speak to that much better than I can being, you know, with, with your dad's loss specifically, but um you know, just seeing some of the families we've helped over the years, it's, I've met some people that have had a significant amount of time pass and, and I can tell that, and this isn't by any form, any means of bragging, mm-hmm. but I can tell that I'm in a better place than they are just because of the, the time I've spent discussing yeah. it. Well, and, and then I think on top of it, like you, um, whether by force or by design, you created your own healing methodology that a lot of other right. people don't have. And, you know, one of the things I love and respect about you so much is you took this terrible loss in your life and you turned it around and created an organization that helps other people. I mean, like, that's just huge, huge mm-hmm. respect and kudos to you Thank for you. that. Um, and and that's, that's as well as been my journey, too, that it was a really healing thing, but nowhere near the level that you were able to in the time. And, you know, so even for me, like, you know, my dad, I'll just say my mid thirties. So, you know, you're talking within the last 10 years, um, after going through 30 years, let's say of, of grief with it, um, with, with the loss. 
it wasn't until, you know, I actually reached out to um, a couple different counselors to talk about it. Um, but that, I, I can't really say that we talk specifically about maybe the suicide death and, and that side of it. It was sort of like, where are you at in life now and what can we do to help? Which was, which was very good. It was positive. But really the rubber hit the road for me too when I started. Um, it was the Helpline Center here in mm -hmm. town. And going to suicide grief specific classes and yep. talking with other people and being around other people that have suffered that same, you know, even though stories are all different or situations are all different, but it kind of comes back to the same thing. Right. That was a game changer for me. And that's, you know, and, and I think even for you, even though like going to support groups and counseling wasn't like the biggest factor for you, but if if I look just at the outside, like you going to do that, you met so many people and really just having the conversations with other people that have gone through the loss, like that's a huge deal. And and right. really kind of a driving factor behind what you what you developed and what you started, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just I think it's I think it's cool. Um it's really good. So that's sort of I think one of the things as you know as we're as we're talking, there is no specific steps or methodology again there's things like you definitely don't want to do but i i really think trying to talk to someone or be around someone or other people that have gone through a similar situation just by assimilation that helps out a lot yeah and um you know trying to trying to get rid of that guilt and that shame and that blame because that's just a, that's a bunch of baggage that nobody needs and it's hard yeah. to get rid of, but that's, in my opinion, one of the best to try to let go of if you can. And not to, I mean, rank any any losses by any means, but I think that guilt, shame, and blame from my experience has been amplified 100% when it's a, a parent that loses a child. I think that's that's probably been the one. I mean, I, I felt a yeah. lot of guilt, shame, and blame, but I would say out of all the conversations I've had and the relationships I've built and I mean, the survivors we've worked with, I think that not to, I mean, show grace to yourself is probably the biggest thing I could say as a parent. It's its its never easy, and, and that's easier said than done. But I think the biggest place that I've seen that challenge is guilt, that guilt, shame, and blame comes with parents. It's a, yeah. that's a tough situation. I think I'm a mom, and I don't think she'll ever forgive herself. Um I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't her fault. There was nothing she did. Um, but I, I really don't think that's ever going to change no matter how much time passes. Uh, she's always going to kind of carry that on her shoulders, unfortunately. But if you can show yourself grace and, you know, I, I've always explained, I guess I shouldn't say I've always explained, I was explained <laughs> suicide loss when I was asking those W's in that year one, the why's, the what ifs, the, you know, what could I have done differently? I, someone from the helpline actually her name was twyla she uh explained suicide as a drop in a cup you know the, the drops keep adding up mm -hmm. you know my brother's adoption you know growing up on his own uh in russia for you know 11 years um going through a divorce with my parents uh, four years after getting adopted or five years after getting adopted i can't remember how much time it was uh you know joining the military going through a divorce having a child you know, just all those drops in the glass eventually filled that glass up until it eventually overflowed. And that, and kind of hearing that from Twyla was beneficial for me to kind of get rid of the guilt, shame, and blame because it made me realize that it wasn't me. It wasn't my fault. There wasn't anything I did that 
that really, you know, caused that glass to overflow. There, there might be one incident that causes that glass to overflow, but you know, at the end of the day, it, it's that cup's pretty full already, and it was going to get there right. eventually. Unfortunately, I mean, you know, unless there's some traumatic measures that take place, but right. But that was a big thing for Twyla when she explained that to me. I think it was, um, it was the helplines. I think Survivor Voices class that I went through um, mm-hmm. over there. So kudos to them because that was probably one of the biggest steps forward in my in my journey before I got to starting Survivors. That that cup cup analogy and the water analogy really hit home for me too because yep. I think that's and we've talked about it before I'm I'm not a, a firm believer that everybody who dies by suicide has mental illness right um, and my my whole thing is you know you can stack enough shit on anybody and they're gonna break at some point mm-hmm. doesn't mean that they would take their life but they're gonna make a decision about something right they're gonna they're gonna seek comfort somehow right. you know some people might turn to drugs might be alcohol which eventually you might le- yeah you have to decompress somehow and you're right if that cup is running full and you know i look at you wrong one day that's one little tiny micro drop but right. that's the drop that kicked it over that's not to say that's what's to blame no. it's the fact that you're running 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 over full and uh and and something you know the straw that, that breaks the camel's back again is not necessarily the issue it's the issue is the cups to overflow there's there's no capacity right for that extra stuff whatever it is well, um, i don't want to put you on the spot here but but 44 years is is a long time yeah i mean that's a that's a i mean i usually you celebrate anniversaries i'm not sure this is one that you you really celebrate maybe you have a a tip of the glass to them or a tip of the I mean, just something to remember remember them by but i think my question for you has been if you had any advice to give to someone that, you know, a newly, someone that just lost someone by suicide, whether a friend, family member, you know, being this far in and going through so many different experiences and helping out so many families, what's, what's the biggest piece of advice you might give to someone starting their journey off at this point? It's a big question. I don't mean to put you on the spot here. No, no, it's, it's a great question. And I mean, and, and it's back to you too. I think that, you know, you can't answer a question with a question. <laughs> hey, I just did. <laughs> you know, but you, you, you know, before we started recording to you asked, you know, what's, what's my, what's in my head today? What's my thought? Yep. And honestly, it's happiness. I mean, it's, it's been a long time and you're, I love your analogy of the, the earthquake and the water and the ripples and, you know, the ripples, I'll still have times where it hits me kind of hard and whatever. And it's specific instances, more often than not now where, where, you know, if I would say, okay, the sad or the tough times are when, um, you know, like I wish he was here to maybe help me through a time where I could use that fatherly advice. Sure. Or, you know, I've got like nieces and nephews that are, you know, rocking it in school and sports and off to college and just these huge life events that like, that's where you Missing really out. miss a lot, yep. you know? And so... However, being this far out, um, you know, that's not to say I'm not sad or I don't get sad at times, but really I just look back at the, and even though I was young, I have lots of great memories, um, you know, of the positive impact that he made in my life and other people's lives and stuff like that. So I think, you know, with him, I get to a point of, of more just honor and reflection and things of that nature. And yes, there's still sadness there, but I don't have any guilt. I don't have any shame. I don't have any blame. 
um, you know, and in comparison, my sister, where we're approaching three years, again, I'm in a very good spot with it. Right. But that was hell. It was Mm -hmm. hell to go through. Um, But also with, you know, all of the people we've helped, the training, the counseling, all this other stuff, I was able to pretty quickly, and I'm not saying it's 100% gone, but the guilt, the shame, the blame, it just didn't impact as much. And so, you know, knowing better how to deal with things, knowing better how to support myself, um, it was a lot easier to go through, even though it was still, you know, (laughs) the atomic bomb went off, man. And and life was pretty dark for a long time. I mean, it just, it was, it was really hard. So, um, you know, but it's, it's an interesting perspective to look at of how it impacts your life. And I still, I'll, I'll go around and I'll, uh, see a car that my sister drove and like, Oh, there she, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of things. And and again, just back to, she was a huge confidant for me. So I miss that. I, Mm -hmm. you know, I met, she was the, you know, the fun one at holidays and stuff and always doing things. So it's just, you know, the holidays are tough. Birthdays are tough. Just those, those times. So still going through, it's still pretty raw, but in a, in a good place with it as well. And, and how about you? I mean, we've kind of talked seven and a half years. (laughs) I mean, obviously like my sister's death, I was, sure. I don't want to say prepared for it, but I was more prepared and schooled with how to deal with it. Yep. And like your brother, man, you're just, boom, that was your first experience. You just got rocked, you know? Yeah. Uh, if I had to give some, I give advice probably more than I should. Uh, I should probably spend more time listening, to be honest, uh, which is part of this podcast. Uh, but you mentioned happiness, I guess. The biggest piece of advice, I guess, at this point would be, you mentioned when you mentioned that happiness is, there is a point where you'll smile again when you think about them, um, and when you have those memories and and those those ripples, if you will, um, or aftershocks. There's a time where you will smile. You'll you'll think about them, remember the positive things, and reflect back on their life. And, it, and that guilt and shame and blame we've brought up probably a million times now in this episode, but it won't be there. Uh, instead, there'll be happiness and, and honor and, and smiles, and you'll be able to reflect back on them and and not feel that that pain. Um, hopefully, <laughs> if you go through the you know put the time and the work uh, and the effort in, it it will never be the same. Uh, you'll never forget them. Um, the journey will always still be there and it is long but at some point the journey will get you to where you can smile again i think it'd be the biggest piece of advice i could give i don't there's a lot of advice i could give but that's probably i think the one that sticks out most right now to me because it's Mm. being seven and a half years in i've gone through a lot i mean i've probably had more conversations than i ever anticipated around mental health at this point so um, and, and I went through all the phases. I went through the anger, um, that I mentioned earlier, but I can look back now, uh, see his pictures, smile. Um, I, I can, I can, you know, reflect back on the memories and, and have the holidays, have the anniversaries, the birthdays. Uh, I can even go visit, you know, his memorial marker and sit there and just kind of reflect and, and, you know, kind of feel a sense of calmness, if you will. Um, so it's, it, 
you'll get there. Give yourself, show yourself grace and just take your time. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's a marathon. It's not a sprint and right. you'll get there. Um, so that's probably my drawn out long winded advice I'd have at this point. I think it's great advice. I yeah. mean, and with that too, I mean, it's, I think that grace part is huge. Obviously it ties into the anger and the guilt and the shame and the blame, but I think grace is, is a, such a huge, huge word. And, you know, to me, it's always a tricky thing to tell people, Hey, it's going to take time because that's sort of a defeatist thing on the flip side, it will get better. And the, the sooner that you can give yourself grace, the quicker that you can get to the happy place. The happy place. Yep. And, um, it's not easy. It's hard. Um, it's, it's probably, I mean, I, I've, I've been through tough stuff in my life and those are two of the biggest, if not the biggest ones mm-hmm. to get through. Um, but it is possible. It is possible. Um, there's rocky roads. Um, but again, I, I just, I love that grace analogy. Give yourself some grace and that timeline will condense. It doesn't take 40 years. It doesn't take 10 years. It doesn't take five <laughs> years. I mean, it will be with you for five, right. 10, 40. It'll be with you for Forever. the rest of your life. Yep. You know, at the end of the day, it's a loss of someone who is very important to you. Um, but in the same sense, like you can get your life back to, to normal and function and yep. be good. And, and I, I just think talking to other people that have gone through something similar is just such a huge, such a huge deal. I agree. Call to action. Go for it. Oh, I got <laughs> show yourself grace <laughs> show yourself and grace. give yourself you time. Go. And that yeah. timeline will condense. I think you kind of, you know, I'm going to give you credit for the, for the call to action <laughs> at this point. So even though I just followed it right back hey, to you, you know what? That's okay. Yeah. Answer the question with a question or a statement with a statement. So <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you taking time. It's, it's your dad's anniversary, 44 years. So, you know, I, you're you've done a lot over those 44 years. And I think, you know, he'd be proud of what you've done and, and you should feel good about that. And when you reflect back, you should hopefully be smiling at this point. So, uh, thank you for sharing that though. That's, it's a pretty big deal. Absolutely. And I'll mirror it right back to you. If Sergey was here, he would be incredibly proud of what you've been able to thank do you. and accomplish and everybody that you've helped out. Cause you've touched a lot of lives for sure. In thank a very, you. very, very positive way. I appreciate it. So, all right. Well, thank you everybody for taking time to listen today. Um, obviously check us out i feel weird kind of jumping into this at this point so i feel like there should be just end it there but uh check us out on social media all you know facebook instagram linkedin twitter our website societyyourwired.com we are on all streaming platforms uh, apple podcast uh, google podcast spotify um, all stitcher all those are out there so uh again don't forget when the sun goes down the stars come out everybody thanks sir thanks brad too appreciate you man yeah take care everybody